Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full worth limited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Complex of Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Anderson. How's everyone doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Could be better, could be worse. I'm literally playing Mass Effect right now, Lucas, so... (laughs) I'm sick with jealousy. I'm, I'm... Scanning for war assets as we talk this entire... Uh, oh, are you up to three? Yeah. Yeah. And I I just did the first Citadel priority, so I'm uh-huh. like... Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just like mindlessly scanning stuff, so I'm yep. doing it while we yep. do this. Yep. <laughs> I, I myself am currently playing Halo for my weeklies, which I could do asleep, upside down, and blindfolded. So. <laughs> um, you know, I've not been able to commit to the, yeah. mass, the 300-hour Mass Effect replay yet. Yeah, I feel you. I just Steve, have you started Mass now. Effect yet? No, I I just look. I was about to say, I just look at games. I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't have yeah. the time, and effort, the yeah. will. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they're long, you got to really, because then you don't want to do half of it and then not go back to it. And mm-hmm. well, Mass Effect and Halo, they're both like. Shooter war games, and that kind of is a good segue for promote extend trade. I'm today. amazed that you took Thomas and I shit posting at the start of the pod and turned it into an actual transition. <laughs> it's very listen, two two years and 120 plus episodes of this. We we just kind of I just kind of learned some tricks. So, uh-huh. but anyway, 
Are any of you guys like history buffs? In, Somewhat. You know, any shape? Okay. I, I minor in history. Oh, nice. Okay. I have a degree in history, but it doesn't really mean anything. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I would hope then that you guys are familiar with the USS Nevada. Yes. Yes. Sure. All right. So for anyone who is not, basically, it was a U.S. naval warship. It was at Pearl Harbor when the Japanese attacked it, and it barely escaped by basically, you know, sailing away and then kind of intentionally beaching itself to avoid sinking completely. It was repaired um, in the Pacific Theater. It took a, a direct hit by a kamikaze during the Battle of Okinawa. Still didn't sink. And then after the war, when it was struck from the naval records, the Navy turned it into a target for the atomic tests at Bikini Atoll. And not once, but twice, it survived being bombed by a nuclear warhead. The so first time... I didn't actually know. Hmm? The, the nuclear warhead part. Of it, what, what did they make this ship out of? Adamantium? <laughs> right. Well, that's, the first time, it, it, the bomber missed his mark a little bit, so... You know, the the ship was uh, heavily damaged and extremely irradiated, but it was still good. And the uh-huh. second test they did was an underwater test. So the bomb, you know, it, I guess the, uh, not enough concussive force uh, came up to, to sink the boat. But obviously it was in bad condition. And so, you know, the Navy still needed to sink it. So they used it as target practice for other boats. It still didn't sink. <laughs> And eventually the Navy literally just dropped like a torpedo on it, and it finally went down back on today's date in 1948. So obviously the USS Nevada was an indestructible ship. So which of these virtually indestructible players are we going to promote, (laughs) extend, or trade? Okay. So none of these are going to be Mets because it's the Mets. Yeah, well... uh, Sort of. The first one was a Met at one point in his career. He started off as a Met. We have Nolan Ryan. Yeah. Then we have Cal Ripken Jr. And last but not least is Phil Negro. So it's got to be Ryan. I mean, uh, Ripken, right? He set the record just in terms of like pure never getting hurtness. I'm 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 extending the knuckleballer because the knuckleballer. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to. No, that's fair. Praise be to Dickie, etc. Raw men. It's not like Negro is bad or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Talking about three Hall of Famers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Ryan was, like, hurt as a Met, too. Like, I think he had blister issues. Which he is funny. Throw a strike. Yeah, he would like if he got traded, and everyone makes fun of it. But he was also like not. He was like a reliever in the '60s at that time, so it's not like he was some campus guy. But I always find that funny that he ended up being like that Iron Man sh- strikeout guy once they traded him. Like it's very, 20. it's very Mets. Yeah, it's very it's it's very Mets from like the the creation of their franchise. Basically, I mean, the set, most set the, the most. Standard. The most Mets aspect of it is that for years they had no no hitters, and he still has the record for most no hitters. Right? It's like seven. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like that's the most Mets aspect of it of the whole thing. And like obviously like we all know this, but they've had a million good pitchers. Like it's a pitching franchise. <laughs> See the Mets thing, like there are a lot of bad franchises. 
and I think we could argue that the Mets history, they're in, in their history, they're a bad franchise. But they're not just a bad franchise. They're bad in the most ironic way possible at all instances, such as with the Nolan Ryan no-hitter thing as they struggled for years to get one. And even when they're good, they're yes. they're they're bad in the same ways because they find a way. Yeah, I think they lead Major League Baseball historically in unforced errors. <laughs> they have to like they're in first place right now, and everyone's mad. Like <laughs> the entire fan base is like pissed off. I mean, we'll get into that later, but like I've never seen. A team that has barely ever made the playoffs in their history and be in first place and their biggest division rival of recent memory traded two of their best players and everyone is kind of pissed right now. Like, that's just how it is being a Mets fan because that's how they are. It's so funny to me. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's just jump right into that then. Let's talk about the trade deadline and what happened. Um, A lot of angles to approach things here. I, I don't even know where to begin, so let's just talk about first what actually went down. And in exchange for outfield prospect Pico Armstrong, the Mets got Javi Baez, Trevor Williams, and enough cash to pay the remainder of Baez's 2021 salary, which prorated at this point would be about $5 million or so because he was owed uh, $11.6 million on the season. So um, this is a Mets prospect podcast let's talk about pca first mm-hmm. he was drafted first round of the 2020 draft at a harvard westlake high school didn't play in 2020 because obvious reasons so um this year was his first season as a professional he was assigned to low a st lucie and he appeared in a total of six games and went 10 for 24 with a pair of doubles before tearing his right labrum which is his non-throwing arm and having his season end because of that. Uh, we ranked him five on our 2021 top prospect list last year, or, or I should say coming into the season. And I think he probably would have dropped a little bit because of everything, because of his yeah. own injury and everything else that's going on at the system, but he would still be in the top ten, um, I think. And, you know, he was an exciting – or excuse me. He was an interesting – but not necessarily exciting profile, but he was a very solid guy. Um, strong hit tool, uh, fringe average power right now, and that's kind of where the split in in what all the evaluators and scouts thought about him. Some thought that he would always be a fringe average guy. Some thought that he would get stronger and turn you know the the doubles power into homer power. Um, at this point, though, I guess it doesn't really matter to us. And regardless, though, he uh, of how the hit tool was going to develop and how the power was going to develop, he had above-average defensive chops in center field. Uh, not really sure who, like, a good comp would be if he fully realized everything because I was looking at the Fangraphs, like, leaderboard earlier, and nobody really matches that profile. Um, it's it's an interesting one, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And you'd think there would be one that would be more common, but in today's day and age, I guess not, because everyone in center field is either like a really slugging kind of guy that is not the best fielder, 
or literally the opposite of that. They're good fielders, but they have poor batting lines. There really wasn't much of a middle ground, which is kind of where Pete Armstrong would be. I mean, I think that's, for those of us who weren't as much fans of him, I think we were more afraid he was that tweenery profile of just, like, not enough offense to matter. Like, to me, in my mind, he's much closer to the latter group of, all right, you, you're good defender, but you don't really hit enough for me to care. Um, like, at least that's what he looked like in my head due to the questionable power projection. And then on top of that, he hurts his late, he tears his labrum like that. I know. Yeah, obviously, I mean, we should comment on that real quick. Like labrum injuries are the, I mean, there's always going to be some eclectic injury you could come up with, but I would argue that labor of the commonly experienced injuries, anything to your shoulder or hip labrums is the hardest thing to recover from. The joint like, is a disaster. Just biologically speaking, it's hard to repair. Shoulder. It's hard for the repair to stick. Like it's not good. To like, be fair, it was his non-throwing shoulder, so. But that's still, still though, you needed to hit. Right, yeah. like we, we've seen this with hitters in the past multiple times. I Matt mean, Kemp we've seen took, this with Mike Conforto. Michael Conforto. Michael Conforto and Matt Kemp are like the two best examples of guys who had power, had a bad shoulder injury, and then took like a year and a half to two seasons to, of being quote unquote healthy to start hitting for power again. It's, it's not great. Yeah, it's, it's, I wonder if that also um, is why the Mets were willing to deal him more than anyone else. And also, like, I was thinking about this because I know we were going to talk about it, but it's really a, a good but flawed prospect for a good but flawed major league player. So, like, I it seems it's probably a bit of an overpay considering the market, but also, like, I don't know what else the Mets could have traded to get Baez unless they totally fleece the Cubs and you can't assume that. Like, you can't assume a team does a bad job. Like, sometimes they do, and I think they did with Bryant, but also we don't know what the Cubs have prospects that they got. But he is a similar prospect. So one is hurt and one is, and the Cubs might just like someone more that we don't know why, you know. But really, it's just it's a good but flawed prospect for a good but flawed major player. I'm sure with a year of control, okay. I don't really see, I don't want, I don't think I should, we should get up in arms about that. Like, I understand why both teams would do it. So, because Baez has much, he's probably more famous than he is good, but he's not bad, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think he's a terrible baseball player in the major league sense. So, it's fine. Like, I think I said in Slack today that he's like a soft six. And that's fine. That's like, no, good. You need, you need those guys. Yeah, that's a good player, but because I guess he has a higher reputation than that, it doesn't feel that way, but it also doesn't matter what his reputation is because that he's 28 and I don't really know many people who are like, he's one of the best players in baseball now. Like ESPN does, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> so, I mean, my, my complaint is, and weirdly I like circle back to, the last time I had a complaint like this, which was in 2015 when they traded uh, Casey Meisner for Tyler Clippard, right? I don't have a huge problem with trading for <clears throat> Armstrong because I don't love him as a prospect. I don't have mm-hmm. a problem trading him for a rental player of, let's say, Bias's reputation. 
Um, I just don't like the player they traded him for, right? I think like, Baez, or uh, excuse me, Bryant went for essentially the same level of prospect as a center, like arguably a worse outfield prospect as a centerpiece. And of course, there's team specific differences in evaluation that we don't know about, whatever, which Thomas already pointed out. But I mean, there's one big difference here, um, which is that the Giants paid down the rest of Brian's money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I am I correct in assuming we all have an issue with that? Oh, yeah, of course. There's, I'll never not have an issue with that. <laughs> like that that's the real problem here is that, yeah. um, you know, you paid more potentially for a worse player because you weren't willing to take on uh, a fairly insignificant amount of money. Yeah. Yes. Five million ish. Like that's Yeah, Alejandro Diaz of money. <laughs> I forgot about him. I mean we should all like and this is all not the only time not that this is the main focus of this podcast, of course, but like the Mets did this multiple ways this deadline. They didn't weren't willing to take on Josh Donaldson and Kenta Maeda's money. Mm-hmm. Weren't willing to take on Javier Baez's money and it cost them Pete Crow Armstrong, who I think I'm the lowest guy on here, but I like that still pisses me off that Look, we could have traded. Uh, yeah, no, you can fire that bullet elsewhere. Then, mm-hmm. you know, or you could have. Tra- I'm trying to come up with another name, like Alexander Ramirez. I don't know. No, like, like you could, you you know, swap out PCA for. Um, that's what I'm know, saying. Who like do we swap? Vientos. I don't know that there's a huge difference there. It I like PCA more than Vientos. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you can trade PCA for a pitcher then, or you can trade, you know, include him in a package for another infielder or a center fielder. This just feels very Metsy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I trading, was hoping trading, that this <laughs> kind of Metsiness uh, would have gone away with the Wilpons. But. So does getting the second best option, right? Like, Bryant... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny, like, Javier Baez is a useful, high-variance, but ultimately league-average bat, who is probably a plus defender at second and or third, but is... I mean, average. he's probably better better than plus at second. Yeah, I would yeah, say, yeah. like... I'm trying to be... I'm trying yeah. to not... To be he's, he's like a Lindor-level defender at second. <laughs> sure, right, and he's an average defender at short. And I, I would say he's like a plus. He's like a seven shortstop. Uh, I disagree with that. Okay. And so it's, that cast. But anyway, point whatever. He he helps. Chris Bryant fits what this team needs like a glove. Star level third baseman who can flex to the outfield when needed with a big right-handed bat that absolutely destroys lefties. But that assumes that they would have taken PCA for Bryant, and I don't think that's a guarantee. Like PCA is a better prospect than they got from the Giants. Sure, but also he's hurt. Would, but also just would, throw someone else in and take the money. Sure. Like, <laughs> gives a shit. You, like, <laughs> you, you change the trade. But also if, like, if it came down to it and the Cubs were like, no, we'll do Beatty for Bryant. Would oh. you do that? Oh. No. So then what are you supposed to do? Like, oh, you're, like, so you're making a fair point. Like, we don't know all the details of these trade discussions. And yeah, if the Cubs are, asking for i mean the rumor always was they wanted alvarez or bryant like i don't know if that's true if that was true you don't blink you tell them to go screw yeah exactly i'm i'm just saying based on like consensus value packages like it's pretty similar we're also assuming 
the Cubs didn't fuck up the Bryant trade. Yeah. Like, they, it, it's entirely possible that the Mets asked for him and they had the ridiculous price and they were like, well, what about Baez if you're going to be like this? And they said, well, we'll do PCA. And then an hour later, they didn't get the deals they wanted and got screwed. Like, there's, the, there's a lot of stuff that is behind the curtain that we will never know. But also, like, I don't think – as much as we can't assume the Cubs were – messing up we can't assume that the Mets didn't either you know we have to yell at both of them because we don't have any actual evidence either way like if it comes out in two weeks that the Cubs were like lol Alvarez or bust for Bryant then I'm not going to be like crying about it you know yeah but I also don't think that was the case at all probably not but I'm just trying to like I don't want to play devil's hat because I I hate playing devil's advocate I think it's kind of just being whack but like I think we have to talk about both uh, both possibilities because both possibilities are possible. The fact that there's this much disagreement on this and this many angles probably mean like it's fine. They didn't do anything. They didn't trade Nick Madrigal for Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> when you when you already have Liam Hendricks. Yeah, that was. Pretty st- they didn't do anything stupid. It's just nah, meh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like this, this is the major marquee move that they. I mean, the trade deadline is over now. Obviously, nothing else is going to be happening. But this is the marquee move, and it just gets a complete shrug from me. Uh, I think, I don't know. It's just so blah. I don't even, I don't disagree with it. And at the same time, like, I don't even think that it moves the needle that much. And as a result, I don't even know if I would pull the trigger and do this trade. I wouldn't. I'm with you, Steve. It just, it doesn't move the needle enough for it to be really worth it, you know? Like, in theory, Baez could turn into Cespedes and just, you know, 2015 Cespedes and just, like, become a force of nature. And he does have the kind of tools and athleticism and all that to do that. Yeah, I was going to say that's not a bad um, comp in terms of... the Like, obviously, the swing and miss is significantly worse. Right. In terms of, like, power... And, and bat the ball. That's not a bad comp. The odds of that happening again, you know, yeah, like coin flip, right? And so as a, you know, the the Mets are just such a, I mean, in my mind, are such a flawed team that adding Baez does not really change things. He's the kind of guy that is such a streaky kind of hitter that he fits right in with the offense that we have right now, which is not good. I would say one fun thing is that he currently leads the Mets in F four uh, Baez. <laughs> Right. Well, that's probably no. Not. Yeah, like he, he's a, he's a like, solid player, you know. It, it's just funny because like I wouldn't have expected that. Um, I would expect someone, but also like the really good players like Nimmo have been hurt, and so they just don't have the <laughs> accumulation stats. But like, I don't know. Like he also hits lefties really well, even when he's not on one hundred percent against righties, and that will help. Like he doesn't hit them to a Chris Bryant level, but he has like a nine hundred OPS or something. Like Bryant is like in the thousands, and it's insane. But right. That's going to help a big He's going to help the team lead. 100%. And like we were saying, it's not like P. Crow Armstrong is this can't-miss prospect that, you know, is going to be number one overall in a year or two, and we're going to be crying over it. Like, none of that is true. The odds of yeah. it happening are extremely slim. But it's just like, eh. It's just I get you. It, it's, it's, it's fine, you know? Yeah. I also it's think fine. it's more eh when you look at, I mean, Story didn't get traded because the Rockies are clinically insane. But like when, when you 
was out there. And a good but flawed major league player and a optionable pitcher who's like fine, then I it's easier to be like meh, you know, because the other options were seemingly better, and they just didn't do that for financial or prospect reasons. But also they didn't blow up their farm. Like trading PCA sucks, but also he would have literally dropped in our prospect pool this year. So. If you're going to trade one of them, I don't mind that it's him. You know what I'm saying? And I'm the one who liked him the most. So yeah. that's really where I fall on it. They kept all their really good prospects. And even I think Mauricio is better than him as a prospect. So, like, okay, you could find another bat, uh, glove first center field prospect. You weirdly, know? I th- weirdly, I would have, like, preferred to trade Mauricio, but I would have wanted to get more. Right, because you're not just trade. You don't trade based on value. You trade on like your perception. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. But also, like, you could just trade Mauricio in the offseason, yeah. which yeah. I think I think that's the better bet anyway, because you yep. could get someone um, just who will be here longer. Like, because mm. as much as we are worried about Mauricio, he's still a legitimate top 100 prospect, like by most standards. So you should get someone who's here for a while for him. You know. Mm-hmm. The Mets are a mediocre team, and they made also, a move, and they're just kind of stuck in mediocrity. Yep. Also, probably going to win the division anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, but, but, but the, the rest Braves of the got is also <laughs> the Braves got Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler and Eddie oh, yeah. Rosario. I'm I'm, I'm shaking in my boots about Jorge Soler playing <laughs> like, National no, Baseball. Listen, all of that it's said, the fade, Braves man. tried to make their team better. You know in a more meaningful way than the Mets did. I know. That, that <laughs> like, kind of sticks in my craw a little bit. Just but Baez is better than all three of those players combined, probably. Yes. So so he's the only thing they did versus... Sure. It's, more, it's quantity over quality. Do or, I really Do I really think the Braves are that good even with the moves? No, it's just annoying to me that, you know, the Mets did one thing and called it a day. Excuse you, they traded for Rich Hill. Ah, yes. I'm honestly more mad. Rich Hill of the 41-year-old elbow. (laughs) I'm more mad about that, their inactivity outside of this. It's what I I think um, is the best way to put it. They're they're just, they they look and act active, complacent. And I don't know if they were in a position to do so. Really, I like wasn't that impressed with many of the relievers on the market. They they still need like even like three of them, you know. They yeah. still need needed to go out and get guys. I think it's more about like they literally might run out of arms rather yeah. than like I'd rather have. Like I, I don't care if they're that good. They didn't need to go out and get Craig Kim- Kimbrell. I mean, they they maybe could have, but they they didn't need to do that. They they did need to go out and get a few arms, and they completely didn't. That's yeah. my bigger thing that I'm mad about. If you're going to do it, then just do it. Like, and the receivers, like, like is Rysel like, Iglesias going to cost you a top four prospect? No, so who cares? <laughs> there, there were a few guys I would not have been sad to see go. Like, like Ronnie Mauricio, I, th- I think he's a good prospect, but I have concerns about the hit tool, as a lot of people do. Um, wouldn't have been sad to see him go for, for something valuable. Uh, wouldn't have been sad to see Vientos go for something of, you know, lesser, but value. Yeah. 
those were both bullets they could have fired and chose not to. So basically what I was saying before the deadline um is if as long as if they get good value from Mauricio and really don't trade Beatty, Alvarez, or like Allen, which you're not really going to do that with Tommy John, for anything less than a guy who's under con- team control for a really long time or like an actual superstar, then I'm fine. <laughs> like, I'm not, they got to rebuild this farm system anyway and just sign Rocker and the deadline is, cause we're recording on Saturday today, the deadline is like very soon. So like, they gotta just rebuild the farm system anyway, so if you're gonna deal from it, don't deal from the top unless you're gonna get someone crazy good. And they didn't, so. Mm-hmm. Well, guys that, guys in that discussion could have possibly been dealt in the, uh, scuttled Josh Donaldson, Kenta Maeda deal, and that is really sticking in my core on that one, because I feel like that would have been a legit difference kind of maker trade. And and it would have cost less because the Twins probably just want to dump Donaldson's contract at this yep. point. Like, like that that's the kind of deal that I, I would throw Mauricio Vientos and like whatever else. I don't even think that costs you Mauricio. But I mean point that I mean that that we don't know the terms of that deal because it sounds like the Mets weren't even willing to talk about that much money, which is incredibly lame. Like that's well mm-hmm. we'll get to what that is later. Yeah. And it's Donaldson's contract is like twenty two million or something like that for the next two years, I think. Yeah. Maeda makes because he has the very, very weird contract, he makes like base of three million or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean realistically the Mets would be taking on twelve, thirteen million dollars per player, which is not much considering, you know, they're both solid guys. You know, Donaldson might not be like an MVP kind of player anymore. He's but he's still, still, he's, might, might be their best hitter. He, he would probably be he's the very, best. very good. He would probably lead the Mets in, in war, just like Baez does now. And Kenta Maeda, he's not necessarily an all-star like he was last year, but he is a solid mid to back end of the rotation pitcher. He's significantly better than, like, Tyler McGill. Mm-hmm. That sucks. That's that's the thing that annoys me more about uh, anything with the trading deadline is what was not done than what was actually done. I agree. With the, that the one, one, the one question I think that like just was there anything moved at this deadline that you would have traded Alvarez or Brady for? Moved I don't think that's so. the deadline. Yeah, like anything at all, not just that the Mets were involved in. No, I don't think a lot of guys who were controllable got moved. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that—that's pretty much the yep. only thing I would consider trading either of those yep. for. It's like a franchise. I might trade one of them for Buxton. I don't think I would, but I understand why. I would only do that if, uh, you like, you sign you, 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 you sign know. and trading them. Sure, but I don't think you do that and rent him. You know, like he's probably too good to do that with. But yeah, he's he he's just super risky, and the Mets would absolutely fuck him up because they're yes. the, Mets. the first time he gets an injury, they're gonna you know tell him to go rub some dirt in it, and then he's gonna die. Yeah, that's the he's he's the type <laughs> of player who I would I would look at the Mets and how they handle injuries and be like, nah, I'm good, I'm not going there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> That's, the Mets haven't killed someone yet. I, I think I think Buxton could potentially. <laughs> it's coming. It's yeah, definitely. They've killed some careers, just not an actual person yet. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back from the break, everybody. And we had a segment already recorded with myself, Lucas, Ken, and Thomas. And we were talking about, you know, how it just was nerve-wracking that the Mets and Scott Boris slash Kumar Rocker were playing chicken. But, but you know, in the end, everything was going to go fine, and the two sides were going to agree, and everything would have been fine, and no problem. Well. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The Mets and Scott Boris slash Kumar Rocker were unable to come to terms at the 5 p.m. deadline. And I believe that Lucas and Thomas have both locked themselves in their rooms and are screaming and raging and destroying things because I was only able to get Ken here. But, um, fuck. Yep. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no justification for this. Um, I like it's, it's a fuck up no matter how you slice it. And the text for the post that's going to be going up, I, I already included a warning that this this 10, 15 minute, whatever, how long it's going to be segment is going to have more cursing than has been on the entirety of our entire show. So <laughs> we're going to lose, Captain. We're going to earn that, uh, that explicit label this oh, week. Oh, yes. What the fuck is this, Steve? I don't fucking know, man. Do you want to? I, just, I, I don't even know where, where to begin. Line line. Do you want to? Do you want to start with that? Well, I'm sorry. Do you want to just start by going through why this is fuckery and, you know? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. So obviously, we knew that something was up with Kumar Rocker. He was, you know, coming into the air before the the, the college season started. A lot of, uh, industry, you know, magazines and publications and sources and whatnot were projecting him to be the one, one overall pick in the 2021 draft. Obviously, you know, that was February and things change based on how players do. And Rocker's season was kind of weird. He started out his first couple starts, you know, mid nineties, touching the upper nineties with this fastball and then out of the blue, he the fastball velocity just kind of backed up into the low 90s. Not what you want to see, but obviously he was able to continue pitching. 
he was able to continue pitching at an elite level because he ended the NCAA season with Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, the, they, they got far in the College World Series and his individual stats were very, very good. But then come draft day, a guy that was at this point probably projected to go maybe six, seven, eight around there fell a couple of more spots. And Mets at Tadden victim. Now, here's where problem number one comes, I guess, that we'll discuss first, is after they pick him, they go and they sign, you know, in, in the next couple of uh, rounds. But well, Ziegler, Ziegler was probably a third-round pick on merit, as evidenced right. by the fact that he signed for a third-round bonus. right. Then you have all of the, you know, low-level college juniors and seniors that you, you picked so you can go under slot and save the money. And now you're up to round 10. And what did they do round 10 through 20? College player, college player, college player, college More player. More importantly than just college player, college player who can be had for 100, the, the allotted amount for picks 10 to 20. Right. Nobody that you're going to go over slot for. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nobody. Nobody who you know. This is an interesting prep who has a strong commitment, but maybe we can sway him if something happens. Nothing. Maybe we're maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit here, but normally that is kind of what you do in the later rounds of a draft. Back, you know, this this especially when you're trying to do this. When you're right. trying to take a guy over slot in the first round. And basically. the reason for that, basically, um, I mean, Hunter Barco is the example we've been pointing to. Yes. The Mets it's... tried to do, and almost exactly this, because it was Matt Allen is also a Boris client. Mm-hmm. Tried to do exactly this, and it worked with Matt Allen, but they had the backup pick in Hunter Barco, who's probably a first-round talent next year, who yes. decided not to sign and went to college. If Matt Allen decided not to sign... They could have said, oh, we've got $2 million. Hunter Barco, would you like to sign with us for $2 million? <laughs> would you like $2 yeah. million? <laughs> Basically, a smart team uses those late picks to, you know, le- uh, for, for, uh, as purpose. leverage, <laughs> safety. Yeah. The Mets, the Mets went to do that. <laughs> so you'd think, okay, well, they must be completely gung-ho. They're going to get their man in... Kumar Rocker, and that's that. And now here's where point two of uncertainty is. The, you know, the Boris Camp and Kumar Rocker, they are saying that the MRIs that he had taken whenever did not show any noticeable, you know, tears, rips, uh, stretches, I don't know, whatever other kind of issues your shoulder and elbow can have, but there was no, nothing, no obvious red flags. The Mets medical people, on the other hand, uh, said that there were red flags. So now we have what became the impasse here. Can do trust Mets doctors? No, never. These are the same guys, the same organization, okay? Even with the turnover from Cohen taking over, which isn't as much as you would think because literally the guy who was running the team when this happened is the guy running the team now. He hired back the guy. 
This is the same team that had Matt Harvey pitch for half a season without being able to feel his fingers. Why do they get the benefit of the doubt? Here. That's that's going back a couple of years. No, no, and there's, there's plenty plenty of others. Stephen Matz. A bunch of – you can even this look year. at a bunch of things this year, exactly. Yeah, last year too. Literally for time immemorial. Um. So, yeah, that was fuck-up number one, not taking a backup. Um, fuck-up number two was if you – if the medical could potentially be a deal-breaker for you, right? If you're you're really uncomfortable saying, okay, I've got this $6 million, I have no plan B, um, you know, but the medical could be a deal-breaker for me, why did you select him? Exactly. Like we like we say, he wasn't falling for no reason. Everybody exactly. knew that. Everyone everyone watched to... the College World Series. Everyone saw the radar gun readings. And if they drafted him and after seeing that without any question marks I don't have words, Steve. I have some words, but they I have some words. But, yeah. So we we've established the Mets doctors maybe don't have the best um history. Yeah. So let's let's take a sidestep, Steve. Sure. Are what issues could he possibly have that would make you blow up your draft like this? For me, it's literally just thoracic outlet syndrome. Everything else could be could be dealt with. Even thoracic outlet syndrome could possibly be dealt with. Because again, you're not only losing the the for the, the value for the pick, but it's not like you can go back and reallocate those funds elsewhere. It just disappears mm-hmm. in thin air. That's literally the only thing. And and even that, I don't I don't know if it's a deal breaker for me, given that they already bungled the draft mm-hmm. at that point. And let's also get in for good measure that Kumar Rocker legally and morally has no obligation to give the Mets anything before the draft. Nope. No, no obligation to give them his medicals. That's only going to hurt him because all pitchers have things. All of them. So now we're at the stage where the Mets have some x-rays in front of them. They're saying, hmm, there's things we don't like. And Scott Boris. So this is where the um, yeah. So this is where the discrepancies come. Is um, the understanding we had yesterday was that it was quibbling over money, and apparently they never made him a counteroffer. Right. I was about to say. So supposedly, though, all of this was just supposedly over some money. But yeah, I guess not because it has come to light now that the Mets never even made him an offer. They came to the six million dollar. Agreement, handshake agreement in theory, you know, the day or two after the draft, but no actual offers were at any point sent to him. Yep. <sighs> um, Steve, though, um, education time. Baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. 
I never shy away from an investment that can make me that type of return. Wow, you sound like an extremely good investor. Um, you sound like like a, a I, Cohen level investor. I mean, that guy made millions, right? Yeah, no. Um, for a guy who says he doesn't shy away from investments with that kind of return, he he certainly did shy away from an investment that could yield that kind of return. I don't know. Fuck and Steve Cohen. Yeah, seriously. This is Wilpon shit. If you're still calling him Uncle Stevie after this, like, you're, you're, an, idiot. you're an idiot. Yeah, that's, that's another disturbing thing. How many, there are people out there that are carrying this guy's fucking water. Like, yeah, like Steve, I'm having a day for reasons unrelated to baseball and, um, I, I've also, I've found it very therapeutic to yell at these people on Twitter today. Nice. And oh my god, there's so many of them. It's crazy to me. Like, honestly, I just want to change my name. I don't want to be Steve anymore. <laughs> now, now the thing is, all right, so I think, you know, at least you and I and, and a large segment, hopefully the majority of Mets fans, but at least the large majority of informed, smart Mets fans, such as all of the one listener of from Complex to Queens. Yes. Um, understand that this is a colossal fuck up. On a magnitude beyond like what we've seen yeah, in a long, like, long time. Whatever your opinion is on on the medicals and rocker, right? Um, if you're like an ownership stand, you you probably rightfully or you probably believe that they were right to you know back away because of the medicals. Fine, whatever. Why didn't they take a backup plan then? Mm-hmm. Or why didn't they take Brady House? Khalil Watson, one of the other legit top 10 talents that slid. Answer those questions for me before you get into my mentions. Now, the thing is, who is at blame here? I mean, the Mets have a a hierarchy. Um, Obviously, the main culprits here would be Sandy Alderson, Zach Scott, and Steve Cohen. Who do you lay the most blame at the feet of? The most blame? Yeah. Uh, and, so, and I guess also Tommy Tannis, you know, they, they, the, the draft people themselves, I guess, would also be involved here. But I mean, um, I mean so they're like, under I, Sandy Alderson, so. Yeah, no, like, um, like, in general, I like the draft guys. I want to preface saying that. I think they've done a good job in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all, we you can go back and listen to our take on, on 2019. We love Brett Batty. We love Matt Allen, even with the injury. We love the strategy that they put forth to get those guys. We even liked last year, and it, the early returns aren't looking great. JT Ginn looks kind of meh. Pete Crow Armstrong is no longer in the organization. Um Word. I might give those guys a pass because I, I think they did choose the best player available. Right, and what happens to them after they're drafted now, is no longer. Yeah, no, exactly. Like um, the the old thing that Jeff and Jared used to say is, uh, Tannis always gets his guys. Tannis and Tremuda always get their guys. They don't take somebody without knowing they can sign. Um, I do think they share some blame here, obviously, but this is like a systemic failure. Zach Scott looks like an idiot here. 
Sandy Alderson looks like an idiot here. And I would argue that Steve Cohen is culpable for this because he pays all of them. Mm -hmm. He owns the team. If he doesn't agree with something they're doing, he can tell them that, and they have to listen to him. Yep. This is why I, that's why I lay the blame at Steve Cohen's feet. The, you know, the buck stops with him. If Sandy Alderson and Co and Zach Scott are just being cheap because, you know, that's just kind of how they've, Sandy's has to have been for the past 10 years. Yeah, yeah, no, that's how Sandy's been since 1980. Right. If he can't get of old habits, it's on Steve Cohen to be like, guys, it's just, you know, a couple million dollars. It's fine. It's fine. You know, that that's that's on Steve Cohen. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but um, should we talk about the tweet that we we read earlier? Talk about the tweet. Uh, so you know the the education time tweet, Steve Cohen. Uh, probably could be you know grounds for a grievance down the line. God, I hope so. Probably shouldn't have tweeted that. And is evidence that he agrees with what they did. And he agrees that this was the right course of action when and makes me question his baseball judgment in addition to his business acumen. Like you they, they literally got caught with their pants down and are trying to act like they didn't. <laughs> we meant to have our pants. It's like it's like guys, we can all see your butt. We know what happened. If, you know, I don't know. I was going to make a Steve Cohen in prison butt joke, but I don't know. Yeah, it no. just didn't come to me. Uh, Steve Cohen, Jeff Wilpon to Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I mean, he, at this point, that is basically, as as we discussed in and for our somebody earlier. somebody who talks about, like, literally, he always talked about is, oh, the farm system is the uh, the backbone of success in an organization when talking about not trading guys. To help the big league team. But here you, you don't care about the, the you know infinitely valuable slot money that you, you just piss down the drain. He's a clown. He's a clown. He's a clown. He is a clown. And honestly, I, I hope people I, it doesn't look like it, but I really hope people come to realize that. He's just some rich flunky who bought our favorite team and uh doesn't give a shit. But just wants to shit post. Mookie Wilson ball. Oh, yeah, but he bought the Mookie Wilson ball. Black uniforms. fucking trophy case. Black uniforms. Yeah. Uh, Banner day. Steve Cohen, don't come on the show. No, we don't want him on the show. Fuck him. Never come near the show. <laughs> we don't want the, we It's a listener that we don't want. If you want it, yeah, no, don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now... I don't want to say this is a silver lining because it really isn't. But oh yeah, do you want to do you want to talk about the um, the the compensation pick they'll get? Right, the Mets I, do I not get completely fucked here. They do get a pick next year at eleven because of everything that went that happened. But as we talked about at nauseum for weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to the twenty twenty draft. 9, 10, whatever, on a normal board where teams are not trying to do anything cute and they're just picking based on what is right, best player available and, and who is generally believed to be those guys. There was a very, very clear 
fall-off points around 8, 9, 10, where they're metro-picking. So they will not be getting a player of Kumar Rocker's caliber when healthy at number 11. They'll be getting the South Relics. They'll be getting the, the Colton Cowsers, the Matt McLeans. The best you can hope for with that 11th pick is like a comparable talent to Kumar Rocker. Probably not even that good. Medicals and all. Mm-hmm. This exact situation is the best you can hope for. Unless weird shit happens. <laughs> and a lot of think. people, a lot of people have been talking about, oh, look at the Astros. They were right to pass on Brady Aiken. They had to pay settlements to the kids that lost their, their deals because they didn't have the money after Aiken didn't sign. Yes, I do believe that there was a <laughs> shit ton They basically of had to pay the guys the bonuses anyway and didn't get the players. And also, they got the, the next pick they got in the year, they had two top five picks as a result of not doing that. The right. Mets are going to have two in the top 30, depending on where they finish in the standings this year. They'll have, let's say, 11, let's say 21, maybe. That's how 21. Yeah. Not, not two top five. No, very, big, very big, colossal fucking difference. We'll get Matt McLean and David Peterson. Hell yes. Yep. And then, if you want to do something like this in the future, take a guy and try to float him, you know, by leaking an impossibly high ask. Who's going to do that? You've already proven you can't be trusted. Yep. The same reason why the Mets went a decade without getting any good NRIs. Because time and time again, you've proven your actions that you're not to be, not to be trusted, not to be dealt with. They've burned all kinds of bridges today. And that's that's an impact that is kind of intangible and is hard to, you know, gauge, but it, it will have colossally fucked things up in the future for them. Yep. There's, there's no justification for doing this. They either got caught with their pants down, or they did get caught with their pants down on draft day, and then instead of, you know, trying to make the best out of a bad situation, they, you know, blew it all up. I just am struggling to understand why. Steve, there's no understanding. It's illogical. I, I know. I, I should. It's, 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 somebody fucked up big and nobody's willing to acknowledge that they fucked up big. Yeah, I mean, that basically sums And again, up. again, in a couple of months, we're probably going to hear something about what happened with the medicals. If he still has a functioning shoulder and a functioning elbow, they should have signed him. If, if like, they're attached. By all accounts, all the they are attached. I watched pitch not too long ago with my own two eyes. I'm sure he pitched very well. I mean, he he didn't. It was the national championship game. Oh, okay. Well, all reasons we we talked about before why I, I don't put too much stock into that. All in instead all, of, instead of getting Brady House or Khalil Watson yeah, in that spot, which would have been perfectly fine picks, excellent picks. We would have been celebrating just like we're celebrating Rocker. Yep. You decided to just torpedo everything. <sighs> Love the Mets, baby. Love the Mets. Let's go Mets, baby. Love the Mets. 
Well, that's a good note to uh, move on now to Will Pondery of the Week. And I think for this week, we're going to rename it Steve Cohenry of the Week because Steve Cohen is a Will Pond. Uh, yeah, it's Jeff Will Pond's Electric Boogaloo. Um, would you like me to read it, Steve? I Please, assume we're both go. talking about the tweet that I've already read but would like to read again. Go right ahead. Uh, let me find it. Not a great segue by me. <laughs> That's okay. I'll just fill up this uh, dead air. There with we go. Education time. Ah, okay. Baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments that can make me that kind of return. Well, unfortunately, there are no there's no insider trading information here to help him out. Yeah, he can't call up his buddies at the Fed. <laughs> Fucking. Steve Cohen should be in prison. He should be. Unfortunately. <laughs> Although I guess we can say that about basically all basically, yeah. other uh, owners. Uh, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever. Do oh, do you have any final thoughts, Ken? Any final curses you wanna just blurt out, get out of your system? Bad weekend for the Mets. I uh, probably should take some time off from them for a bit. Yeah, seriously. But I'll be back next week because this is what I do, I guess. We do it for Ringo and all that Twitter friends. Uh, you know, one listener apiece. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complexdeans at gmail.com. Oh, I hear some rage. That's King George. He is quite his, angry. Making his appearance, first appearance on the podcast. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SaidMetSeasonSZN. Subscribe to the podcast where we get podcasts from, rate and review them. And, of course, thank you for listening. And I guess we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.